Welcome to the 241st episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on July 15th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the guy who does not have an intro ready because I forgot, Carlos <laughs> Rodella. That's me. I just make my own intro. It. I just broke my streak. God damn it. Okay, I'll make, I'll make my own intro. Uh, All right. And now introducing the guy who is drinking a mocha every time he records a podcast, Carlos Rodella. There we go. All right. Mocha. Mocha-tastic. Let's do it. If it's not liquor. It might be liquor. Maybe both. It might be. I mean, I'm either having a mocha or I'm having a, a mixed drink. Let's just a little say. Kahlua in there as well, perhaps. Oh no, but I should have. That's a good. There idea. you go. That's for next time. Okay. Here we go. It's a show, folks. We're back. Uh, as per usual, we've got a bunch of games to talk about. We will be deep diving into a whole a lot of stuff. We'll be bringing to you hot and fresh. But before we do that, as you know, Carlos and I do share living quarters. We share space. It's a giant house separated down the middle by a strip of duct tape. Carlos, what is on your side of the house this week? A few things, not too much. But the first thing is something that just came out today at the time of this recording. Oh, snap. Was the announcement of the Steam Deck portable ah, yes. hand system. Hand... I'm glad you brought that. Boy, that sounded weird. I know. As soon as I said it, I knew it was wrong. The portable <laughs> hand system. <laughs> I think it's... I saw that on I saw that on a Pornhub, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and also everybody has one. It's just, it, it comes installed as a human. You've got a oh primary and a backup, goodness. too. Wait, can we please write that note down that this episode is called uh, Portable Hand, hand system, system? Portable Hand System. <laughs> Ooh, I'm glad yeah, I'm I messed write, up. That gives us the title. Down. So a portable handheld again. So recently, uh, Nintendo mentioned their OLED screen edition, and we both kind of poo-pooed it. Yeah. And said, no thanks, we don't need it. If you're a new person uh, who's never had Nintendo Switch, Maybe that's sure. for you. Yeah, of course. Um, but I was also bitching about, to bring back uh, to that time and period, uh, about how it wasn't 4K, it wasn't 60 frames per second, it wasn't like a, a high-end model or right. improved graphics. So, uh, lo and behold, a few days later or the day later, uh, Steam Deck gets announced, which is essentially Valve's portable hand system. <laughs> Shit, I did <laughs> you it again. you got to stop saying it like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, now it's because I said it originally. So the, now I'm just going to double down on it. They oh released their portable hand system called the Steam Deck. And you, you, you do use your hands. So, you know, it is I true. Mean, you do. It is portable. It's expensive. It's more powerful, like I was saying. And we had talked about like, oh, maybe it gets too hot because it's like a 4K or it's doing a lot of graphics. It gets too hot in your hands. Well, that's bullshit because they did it. The specs on this thing are really good. And they were saying it's comparable to like a PS4 Pro or Xbox uh, Series S or something. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, it's just a high end PC, 16 gigs of RAM, looks really, really good. Um, yeah, maybe not like top, top of the line, but pretty darn good. And I'm guessing, you know, better than your Nintendo Switch. Uh, expensive though, first model comes out at 400 bucks, then they go up to a $650 model. That has an anti-glare glass on it. Which why is that on the expensive one? Oh Jesus, is that the only difference? There's got to be more differences no, no. than that. A lot of it's storage. So oh, the six hundred fifty dollar okay. uh, model has five hundred gigabytes of storage on it. So obviously that's good for PC gaming because games are are pretty bigger. So 
Yeah, so I don't know. Like, it's expensive. Um, the other thing I'll say about it real quick is people say you can wipe the system on it. So it comes with the Steam OS on it. You immediately can see all your Steam games and just start playing them. Or you could wipe it if you want, put Windows on it. I have and, heard that, yeah. And basically do whatever you want with the machine. Essentially, what we talked about, um, some of you on YouTube were talking about, the PSP was so successful because it was able to get, like, hacked, right? Like, people loved doing homebrew on it and, like, also doing regular games. And I think that helped expand its market, actually. Yeah, so, I, that very true. I think the Vita could have done some of that stuff, too. I'm not yeah, sure exactly, Vita's, but yeah, yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of homebrew stuff going PSP on. was, like, home to it, though. It's like, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that, that people are interested that you can do that with it because it's a super good, you know, portable PC, essentially. So what are your thoughts on this? I mean, a couple questions first. Did they say it had a dock mode or does it not have a dock mode? They didn't say, and I'm also, I was thinking that too because, you know, I have a whole frustration of just only, things are only portable. Right, right. But that's kind of what it's for too. So I don't know. I think it might just be a handheld. I mean, so that's my first question. My second question is, I mean, battery life, dude. Battery life has got to be a concern. If it's running beastly specs like that, I mean, ooh, dude, especially if you're doing 3D games, it's got to burn through batteries. I mean, it's going to have to maybe be like plugged in or something. I, I can't imagine it's going to have that much battery life. So that's a question. You know, I don't, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that right now. But yeah. my main concern and one that I was talking about on Twitter earlier today. Um, so most PC games are designed for monitors, right? Like I mean, that's just the reality of how that platform is. When um, the Steambox came out a while ago, you remember the Steambox? Anybody remember Steambox? Yeah, and I almost like got one like a million I times. I have one. I still have one. Oh, I have okay. it. I got one. And I got to say, from day one, like right when they were giving it the big push, uh, there were already a lot of UI problems, a lot of interface problems. I had this. I had the Steam controller that had the weird slidey pad thing on it. Oh, yeah. Um, I had that. I had a mouse and keyboard. But I think the problem was that it wasn't meant to be displayed on a regular TV. A lot of games did not intuitively like switch to like display in an optimal way. Knowing that's a problem and also knowing the problems that we already have now we already have text and UI that's too small on a PS5 or an Xbox, which is a dedicated platform that people have a non-moving target to shoot for. They still fail to hit that. Look at the Switch. Switch is not too bad, but whenever people port a game, whenever it's just a port and not an adaptation, we inevitably get like text problems, UI problems again. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine that's going to be so bad on this thing because PC developers are notoriously fucking terrible at doing this kind of like optimization port for a new screen real estate and new UI, new resizing stuff. People just don't do it on PC. Like the ports we get are shit. So I'm, I'm trying to imagine how these games are going to like, you're going to just take it raw from your steam library and it's going to look fine. I doubt it. Yeah, you're right. I just thought of that. Cause like nobody's porting it in the beginning, right? Yeah. It's just, it's just be... you're just playing it on there, dude. That's yeah. not going to be good. It's like a windowed mode or like uh what was it? Like, you know, different games or different phones. You can play like your Xbox games on and stuff. That's just yeah, yeah, like yeah. mirroring it, but it's not actually like right. ported in any way. So you're right there. Right. That would be that's just tricky. So I mean, that's a big question. I mean, in general, I'm all for it, dude. Because despite all the games that I play on Switch, there's still like a number of games that never come to any platform other than PC that I would genuinely like to play if I didn't have to beat my computer. So I'm I'm interested in this. I mean, that's why I had the Steam Box in the first place. That's why I'm always keeping an eye on stuff. This is great, like the c conceptually. I'm on board, but I just, I'm like, oh, dude, people always fall down when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah, I think, though, like you're saying, especially for you and other people who, like, 
uh, use handheld all the time and in and, and bed before, you know, sleeping and stuff like totally, that. Totally, totally. Like playing all these, there's so many good indie games and even just like random new ones that you would yeah, check out. Yeah. So I think it will still work for a lot of titles. And I feel like it would just be like, if they didn't port it and it looks too small, then you just don't play those, you know? Um, yeah. No. But anyways, it's a little expensive too. I mean, it's like the price of a, you know, full on game system. Uh, which I guess it is, you know, that yeah, makes sense. I mean, yeah, for sure. For sure. So that's it's something that, to keep an eye on. I think we're going to keep an eye on it. Um, and again, it's not till December, I think. So it's out for, not for, out for a while. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention really quickly was uh, I saw a YouTuber Ragnar rocks, Ragnar R O X. Okay. He, uh, reviewed, um, extensively reviewed the demo death trash, the game that we both. Loved. Oh yeah. I love death trash. He just had a couple other things. One about how I guess the developer, the original developer, it's it was just one person for a long time. Okay. He had like like had a love letter for Fallout and basically the original Fallout's 1 and 2, he wanted to do that again and wanted to kind of do his own version of it. We got so, those vibes for sure. Yeah, we got those vibes, but it was kind of cool to see like that's really where it came from. Yeah. And yeah. then also he only brought in like one other person and they worked on it for six years. Jesus. Yeah. Just think about that for a minute. Two people, six years doing anything for like even a couple of years is a, oh, you know, an investment. So, you know, that makes me feel really good that we liked it a lot because I'd feel terrible if he spent six years and we were like, yeah, this is trash. I know. Like, oh, <laughs> trash, pun intended. Yeah, but bad um, trash. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly why. Like, I, I kind of it was fun to delve into that. So, props to Ragnar. Check out Ragnar Rocks. I, I kind of dig his uh, reviews on YouTube. And then, yeah, I'm just even more excited about it. We can't be more excited about it. Super excited, like max excitability for that game. Max. max. Two more real quick ones is Valheim. I'm so on the fence with finally trying it, just because someone again reviewed it and said. The world is crap. There's a lot of crazy shit happening. We all want some like little world to go into and just kind of have a meditative experience with games. And they said that's what Valheim is. Like you don't you can play it by yourself and be in a, you know, survival game, but it's kind of RPG-ish as well. You can make your own little hut. You can go out and hunt and whatever. And I know that's happened in many games before, but mixed like with the idea of the Viking stuff, mixed the idea with like it just feels good, I guess. I'm just on the fence of maybe jumping in, but people say who they've jumped in, they don't return like ever. I mean, okay, so let's pause for a second. Okay. I've heard a ton of really good things about Valheim. I have not played it because I don't, you know, I don't play PC games. It's not my jam, but I've many people in my, in my feed, in my Twitter circle love this game. Like a lot of people just like, just are in, right? Yeah. So my, my eye is kind of on it. I'm, you know, maybe it comes a console, maybe it doesn't, who knows, but lots of people are digging it. And even if it's maybe somewhat broken or maybe not a perfect game, it seems like there's a lot to love. You are the guy that will buy any game on PS5 in a, the blink of an eye. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure why you're hesitating on this one. Oh, it's not on PS5. It's still on Steam. That's what I mean. Like, you'll buy anything on PS5. You're like, new stuff, boom, done, sold, full price. Oh. So why don't you just buy this right off the bat? It's like, this is something that I think you might like. You're not, you don't hesitate for PS5. Why are you hesitating on PC? I guess the only reason I'm bringing it up is because, yes, I might do that, which will be, I'm thinking it might become... <laughs> my obsession that's what i'm afraid of. Oh, i'm afraid so it's like it. a, a cautionary sort of a thing it is because then it'll be like oh here carl's back on the podcast with his segment for of valheim 
Talking about Valheim for the 17th week in a row. Which might be fine for listeners who love it, you know, if that's the thing. So uh, maybe, like, uh, you know, I was going to say we do a poll, but fuck it. I'll just probably buy it. Yeah, just, just, just buy <laughs> Shit. it. Just buy it. Okay. We'll talk about it once or twice. We'll see how it goes. I'll buy I it. Mean, I'm going to get yeah, it tonight. I mean, I'll get it tonight, yeah, and I'll lose myself it. in it. Do but it. Last piece of housekeeping was something for both of us. I saw on uh, Twitter, even though I notoriously recently just left Twitter because I'm mad at it. You did? But, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not using it right now. But oh, what happened? Is there a story there? Not really. Not that I want to go into. Um, okay, off off the show. And it's not like anything huge event. It's just I'm just you know totally frustrated and tired with its sure, system sure. and algorithms. So, uh, but I did notice something over there about the full motion game that we have to try check out. What is it? Oh God! I, whatever, whatever it is, the answer is no. Full motion game. Wait, I'm not in for that. I thought we—that's all we do—is we watch those. We try to. You said oh, the oh, are you, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're talking about full motion video. I yes. thought you meant like VR or motion control. Okay, no, sorry, no, no, I wasn't no, no. Tracking sorry, sorry. Right full motion bad. video. Full motion video. Yes. Yes. Uh, Nightbook, I believe it's called. Nightbook, but it's not out Nightbook. yet, right? No, not. It's coming out very soon. And I, it's from Wales Interactive. I know we love their stuff. We play, like, literally, I think we played almost all of their FME games. I think there's only one or two we haven't gotten into. Yeah. Um, but the thing that really got me with this one, because I know they've they've had some wins. They've had some big wins. They've had some maybe not so big wins. Uh, but what got me was this is from the same producers as The Complex, which I thought was great. And you liked right. as well. Right. Yes, I did. So okay. it's got the same actress. Uh, the actress who was the the boss lady from The Complex, who's actually, like, I guess a regular for real actress as well is in this again. She did a great job last time. I'm sure she'll do a great job again. Sorry. I didn't know your name lady. And I mean, I like, I like what they did last time. If they do that exact same thing again, I'm in like, it's good. And it's creepy. It's like a creepy one. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's like, it's got some occult stuff. Uh, they're on an Island. I don't know. Spooky, whatever. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. I just want to bring it up because I saw that and uh, I'm in. So whenever it comes out, we'll both do it. Yep. Let's do it. It's done. Done deal. And my house is done clean. Not too bad, not too bad, not too much stuff on your side. I got a few things on my side this week. Uh, let's see, first off, just a heads up to people listening that uh, you may remember from a couple episodes back, I talked about a sci-fi roguelike called Crying Sons. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I had a great time with it. Um, I think it's a really well done, really interesting roguelike. It blends a lot of elements, and it's got a great sci-fi story. I don't know that it's a hard sci-fi story, but it comes pretty close to being a hard sci-fi kind of a thing. Um I thought it was great. Uh, ship combat, multiple characters, like different stats to, to play with. The runs were short. It was manageable. It's completable because I finished it. I mean, just just win all around. It's one of my favorite games of this year by far. Nobody played it. Nobody knew it came out. Nobody gave it much love. It's a shame uh, and a problem because y'all is missing out on some really good stuff. Uh, take it from me, the roguelike guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the news is that they have just put out a free demo. So anybody who is curious about this and wants to just get a little taste of it can jump in. The tutorial is actually great. I think it's a very good tutorial. It gives you a real quick taste of what the game's all about. And you'll get uh, the sense really quickly whether you like it or not. Um, I'm glad they did a demo. I think this is one that really deserves it. Definitely deserves more people playing it and deserves more hype. Uh, it was a shame that it kind of came and went when barely anybody blinked at it, which which sucks because it's a really great game. So heads up, Crying Sons has a demo free to play on Switch right now. Cool. Check it out. That is good stuff. Uh, also, uh, you may have seen this on Twitter already, but I just got my brand new Xbox controller in the mail. I'm very excited. You saw that on Twitter, right? Yeah, I gave it a like. Oh, man. Thank you for that like. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, every every like extends my life by five minutes, so please it, keep ugh. liking. Keep liking. 
I mean, seriously, it's a, it's an absolute bullshit system. And I'm gonna, I'm not going to go back into it. I'm not going to go back into Twitter. It's a bullshit system. Anyways, I'd like that you got your controller. Yeah, I think I think most people probably know. But just in case you can't, you uh, the Xbox Design Lab is back. Uh, it was around during what the Xbox one years and then it went away for a while while they were launching the X and the S. It's back now and you can go to what an Xbox Design Lab or whatever. Just Google it. You'll find it. And you can like get the Xbox controller and just change like literally like every color on the thing it's so cool so i got like a pink face plate and like the sticks are kind of this cool tan that uh that complements the pink the back of it is like white and a bright green it's got like dark red on the top you can check it out on twitter i posted a picture uh, of me with the controller just a few minutes ago so you can check my feed you'll see the picture there it's also on instagram if you follow me there uh but it's great i'm super excited i even got my little name engraved on the front of it which i'm really happy about and i just it's so cool that you can do something like this and just like personalize the experience um, you know, my family's all in with the Xbox this generation. We're just, we're totally in. And it's just neat to get some little accessory like this so we can all personal, personalize our experience. My wife got one. Uh, my son's getting one. I've got one. It just, it's just a, just fun. It's a fun little thing to do. And it, it sucks because the other day I was playing my PS5 and I was playing uh, Returnal. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and I got a really good screenshot. I'm like, oh, you know, oh, that was a good screenshot. I can't wait to put that up as my theme. Oh, wait a minute. I can't do that anymore because PS5 took away all the customization options. Wait, like, wait, wait. Oh, it's your theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't do your background theme anymore. You can't, like, customize jack shit on the PS5 anymore, and you used to be able to, which sucks. And I went back to my Xbox, and I'm like, oh, well, here's a cool screenshot. That's going to be my theme. And I'm going to change the way my UI looks. And, hey, here's a controller that I fucking designed myself. This is all personalized. It doesn't change, like, the games. It doesn't change the box itself. It doesn't change the hardware. But it makes me feel more connected to it. It makes me feel like I love it a little bit more. And I kind of do. Because, like, it's a little bit of me in here. Whereas the PS5 is like, nah, we're going to do things our way. We're going to feed you the ads that we want you to see. You can't change anything on the on the, the desktop. And just, yeah, we're going to do this. And it's like, wrong direction, bro. Like, wrong direction. And, so, and, if, and we'll yeah. have huge fins on our, computer, on our on console. Huge fucking Huge fins. fins. Huge fins. Anyway, so, I mean... Whatever with the PS5, it is what it is, but I definitely appreciate the Xbox going all in on customization, personalization, letting you just put a little bit of yourself in with the system, because I feel like it definitely does sell it more, and when you see like all these people, I saw one of my friends who's a chef on uh, Twitter, he had like a black chef shirt with like a red collar, he got a controller that was like black and red, totally matched his chef outfit, that was pretty badass, some people are making them look like their pets and stuff, like, it's just it's just fun, dude, like, games are fun, this is fun, I love fun. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I mean, if anything that's personalized, uh, again, with something you spend so much time in, uh, you're, you're on your, your console a lot. So you want to like look down at your controller and see something cool. You know, that's, that's like you said, like you. That's cool. I'm going to make one. I'm, I have one in my uh, cart. I oh, just do gotta, you? Yeah, I just got to wait for a little bit more cash to come in and then I'll go ahead and get it. Because um, they aren't they aren't cheap. It's like ninety bucks or something. So it's like it's like sixty if you get the base model. If you engrave your name in it, it's like seventy. So yeah, it's not it's not. And super then there's cheap. tax and shipping. And tax, yeah, shipping. It came like ninety dollars, and I was like, eh, pretty maybe close. Not right now. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. By the way, I will say this though. I God bless the Xbox for so many things that it does right, but every time I turn it on, I am just filled with anger at its interface i know and i know you like it better i don't know how that's possible we agree to disagree it is just <laughs> so many boxes i always get confused i only need two of the boxes the boxes is i need the microsoft store which i hate that they have the microsoft logo on there i'm on a fucking xbox just show me xbox something you know i hate that it's like oh i want to go to windows 
and then I want the Game Pass, you know, tab. But then there's yeah. all these other fucking boxes. I never use any of them. And I, and you say customization. What's interesting is I don't feel like any of that's customized, even when I oh really yeah you put can change all that stuff around for sure yeah, yeah but there's too many boxes to see anything. Uh, I'll, <laughs> here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send it send a screenshot to you. Maybe I'll use Twitter for it. I don't know. And um, <laughs> I love that despair bullshit in your voice. system. Bullshit. <laughs> fucking terrible. Anyways, um, I will take a picture of what I see when I turn my Xbox on, and either right. a tell me I'm doing it wrong. Or B, see what I mean. Send me a picture. I'll send you a picture of mine, and I'll show you. Maybe they're the same. Maybe they're different. Maybe you know. We'll see what's going on. That's a good. That's a good comparison. That's a good, good homework to do. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, one last thing uh, to talk about here before we move on to the actual games. I don't think I brought this up with you, Carlos. So you're going to hear about this. I think probably at the same time as the rest of our audience is hearing about this. Uh, but there may be some potential podcast delays in like the next two, maybe three weeks. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that we don't disrupt the schedule because it's very important to me to do shows, to get them out on time, to deliver content to our listeners. I really appreciate our audience. But I do have a very, very big um, project coming up, like in real life. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this to you, Carlos, or maybe I have. Uh, but, you know, I do a lot of stuff outside of games, right? Like I'm a homeschool dad, I'm a husband, and I also do sign language interpreting. And you guys uh, who follow the show regularly probably know that. Uh, you may have seen me do some of the Xbox shows. I just did a Logitech uh, accessibility panel just recently. So I do some stuff for people uh, on TV sometimes and, and for uh, different communities. Um, and that's just that's what I've always done. That's what I did uh, even before I think I became an interpreter. So anyway... Uh, or before I became a game critic is what I mean to say. Sorry. Uh, so I just took a, a brand new job. I'm going to be working on a movie. Uh, there's a movie what? coming out. Yeah, it's called Coda, C-O-D-A. You can check it out. Uh, the trailer is out right now. And you have to check for the 2021 version. I believe there's an older movie of the same name. And it's got like Patrick Stewart. And that would have been awesome if this was that movie. But no, this is a different movie. Patrick Stewart is, is not in this movie. Um, but there's a, a, a movie, and it's about a girl who grows up in a deaf family. Uh, it just uh, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. It won a bunch of awards at Sundance, and Apple uh, bought it for their streaming service. So they're going to be doing a red carpet rollout, PR, all that kind of stuff, interviews, um, international stuff, right? So I'm one of the interpreters that's going to be going to do these things for this cast. I'm going to be working with the stars of the movie. We're going to be doing um, red carpet premiere uh in la we're going to be doing a lot of press junkets we're going to be doing a lot of uh, interviews and stuff like that uh music video even i believe um so i'm going to be flying back and forth um to la over the next couple weeks uh, i'll be here for a couple days in la for a couple days back for a couple days in la for a couple days so it's going to be chaotic it's going to be crazy uh i'm probably not going to have a lot of time to do game critic stuff and i will try to get the podcast in you know as as regularly as we can get it but i want to give people a heads up that you know, if we end up being a day late with the show or maybe a couple days late or something, please have some grace and just understand that I've got a this giant thing that I'm doing um, in real life that is not really connected to games. Uh, but it's just another aspect of the stuff that I do. And it's a really big project, really important project. And I was excited to be a part of it. So I uh, cool. can't say no to that. Cannot say no. Yeah, not so. at all. And I, I remember seeing the trailer now pop up on my Apple TV. Yeah, they're giving it a hard push. It's not available for streaming yet. It's, I think it's going to be available in about two weeks or so give or take um but yeah it's a good movie uh it, it's really touching and it's not really even about deaf stuff it's really about family I, I think it's a good movie for any family to watch or anybody who likes to see you know family going through changes kids growing up and assuming new roles new responsibilities how the dynamic of a family changes and it also has some 
some deaf related stuff, deaf culture stuff and sign language stuff in it too. So very, very, very excited cool. uh, to work on this movie. It's a great movie, great stars, uh, great opportunity. So long story short, if we are late with the podcast uh, for the next two, three weeks, please forgive us. Uh, we'll get it out as soon as possible. I will keep game critics running as best I can. in the next two or three weeks, that may be a little slow with the updates as well, but just a heads up and please uh, go check out the Coda movie, check out the trailer and tell your friends and the more people who know about it, the better. Yeah, totally. And also, yeah, life events are going to happen. You know, and this is obviously a really awesome one for you. And I do have some ideas of some that might pop up for me soon. So, uh, yeah, it's just going to happen. We'll we'll get the uh, podcast to you uh, when we can. Absolutely. But that's what happens. And that's really cool. I'm excited for you. Yeah, thanks. I'm not big on travel. I really am kind of a homebody and I don't like to go places. But, you know, for something huge like this, something important like this, and it's, and it's really it's an honor to be involved. I mean, you know, just to be a part of this, uh, this cast and not that I'm in the movie, but supporting the cast and just, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, it's a real, it's a real privilege to work with these folks. So I'm very excited. Cool. All right. That is it. That is the housekeeping. The house is now kept. Kept is the house. Let us talk about the games that we are here to talk about. Carlos, are you ready to talk about games? I think I am. I hope you are. Cause Wait, that's okay. exactly what we're doing. Okay. Now I am. Now I am. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. All right, Carlos, we're going to kick it off with you. Um, we have been talking on and off about Greenfall for the last couple of weeks. Um, you tweeted me a while ago and told me about some real sad stuff that happened. And I'm hoping you're here to maybe fill in our readers or not our readers, our listeners. Although I guess if you read the transcript, you're a reader. Although there's no transcript, so you can't read it. So I guess <laughs> you're going to be a listener. Uh, but yeah, to fill them in on what happened and, and maybe to hear a story of redemption. Yeah, I... Um... I, I still love this game. I'm playing it for the second playthrough. I got into it because you were going to play it for the first time. You bounced, or as you say, noped out at some I point. I did. I did. Uh, for some reasons that I don't necessarily agree with, but I accept. I accept <laughs> your you. reasons. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so for me, I was like, okay, I'm back in, and I really want to do like a, like essentially 100% I'm with the natives in this playthrough. Yes, yes. Which is what I was doing kind of the first way through, but I kind of like fucked up because I didn't know you had to like do all these very specific things to not anger different factions. So I'm doing that now. Again, it's 100% right now my like ratio with the natives. I think the people that I come from, the the merchants, they like me as well, but then nobody else likes me because essentially I went against all the, the ruling factions, which, yeah, I'll say a lot of them are white, but let's just call them like settlers and people in positions of power. Colonizers. Colonizers. And that's all really they are. And they're almost, not almost, I think they're all awful. The only ones that aren't are the ship people. There's like these people who are just like of Yeah, the, the Navy dudes sea, or whatever. Navy yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're just like, hey, we're just trying to make a living on the ocean, you know, on the water and the sea. Uh, they're okay. And the people that I come from aren't really okay even though they like me because I'm, you know, from the merchants. But the rest of the factions are just terrible. And they do horrific things, things that we never talked about in this podcast that I'm finally going back to now, where, like, you know, think of colonizers who are trying to uh, change people's faith, right? They're doing that kind of shit. Like they're taking right, gotcha. people and going like the natives going like, you believe in the wrong gods. You, you know, you're fucking terrible. We're going to, like, try to mind control you. Where like some of the some of the you know ruling factions that go in will kidnap women, like really fucked up stuff, man. I mean, and this sounds like you're just telling about actual history. Here. Actual history, yeah. 
So while as I'm revisiting it, I'm realizing it's really on the nose, you know, where some people might be a little, oh, is this preachy? Um, if you get pretty far into it, but at the same time, it's kind of fun to reenact or to enact justice, you know, of these, yeah. in these moments when, and I'm confused at people who would side with the other factions. Cause it really feels like one-sided. Oh dude, they're out there. You know, they're out there. Oh, and they're probably listening and this going like, Carlos, of course I helped the priestess like go mind control all the natives. If you did, don't don't contact me. Yeah, don't do not let us know about it. Don't let us know at all. Anyway, so I'm doing that and noticing again some really fucked up stuff that happens, and then I just got to the part where I can do the DLC. And right before I started it, though, there's one like last mission I'm doing, and it's this is the only fault my main fault with Greedfall and some of these as you called Eurojank RPGs is that sometimes they build so many complicated like uh, you know structures where if you do this then this people won't like you or if you do this yeah, they will like yeah. you this one is where like literally i'm trying to convince one of the natives that i'm on their side they don't believe me they should by now because i'm 100 percenting this right like no native doesn't like me right but this one native doesn't trust me if i try to insist like in the tree structure of dialogue i go no you just need to tell me your fucking information because I'm, I'm i'm cool you know he he gives it to me and it goes reputation down by two points. What? And I'm like, I want to keep this at 100%. You know, maybe there's a better ending or something. And it's bullshit. So the only other one is grayed out. And I have to probably do some crazy long something. Some quest chain or something to yeah. get that to, it, to not be grayed out anymore. And it's like a meter. So it's not even like just one thing. Like I might have to like build up some sort of trust with something else. He's like, look, I got this sister who needs to get oh. married. I'm looking for like, you know. We gotta get a member of the family. The I gotta flowers, go to the and they're in this field. I'm hungry, you gotta make me a sandwich. Yeah, the sandwich has to have the me. flowers in it from the field. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, it's one of those things. So I'm like, do I take the two point, you know, hit and just finish this fucking game and get to the DLC? So that's where I got stuck. I was like, I don't know what to do. Oh, but the thing that you're talking about, I didn't even have a dress. Uh, right before all that happened, and I got really far in the game. I was I spent like two or three hours on a really really large section, and I started noticing I was an idiot though I, that the autosave wasn't autosaving, and I had mentioned you know autosaving is really great in this game, and then I was like oh that's fine it's probably just a server or something whatever so then I would go save the game and it wasn't saving, and I was like oh it must be because I'm in like a middle of a you know a really big campaign or something. You know, sometimes they do that. You can't say. Oh, sure. So, yeah, you're in a, a critical part where you can't Critical say, part, sure. yeah. Sure, so I get sure. out of the critical part. The music stops, and I'm in a village, you know, and it won't let me save. And I go, okay, so what do I do? And I looked up online, and it said you have to reinstall the game. Oh, no. Which I think is fine because the save, you know, the save game has been uploaded to the cloud, so I have a save. It's just those last three hours gone. I mean, that's that's a, a not insignificant chunk of time. No, it is not. And for people who, like, didn't notice, like me, it could even be longer if they, like, put their PlayStation in rest mode, you know? Yeah. So people listening, if the minute you see the autosave network, because it is a glitch still, then just, you know, whatever your last save was, stop playing the game, reinstall the game, and then it'll let you save again. That's really, really good advice. Absolutely it really is, because all you yeah. if, I would have saved myself three hours if I saw that, because they have not fixed the glitch yet. It is. It came with the upgrade. 
right? The, I think it came with the new Oh, upgrade. the gold edition upgrade yeah, is what caused yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So I'm sure a patch is coming, but if you start seeing your game auto not autosave, because you'll know it. It would just say, like, can't autosave in the bottom or something. Just oh, stop okay. playing. Stop playing. Fucking, you know, your your save's already uploaded, probably your last one. If not, upload it or whatever. And then just reinstall. When I reinstalled it, it, it saved perfectly. Fine. So oh, I am I'm still. headed. Yeah. I'm headed to the DLC. I'm going to make the hard decision about getting that guy's fucking flowers or not. And then if I decide not to or whatever I decide, I'll take the hit of the reputation. I want to see this DLC. I will work too hard to get to yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure, for sure. So next episode, I'll talk about that because I'm sure I'll get to it. All right. Well, we will await that update. I'm very curious to hear about this DLC. It came out a couple of weeks ago, and neither one of us were in a position to start it right away. So I am, I'm very curious to see what they've done, You know what they've responded to in terms of feedback, what new content they brought. So we will talk about that, I don't know, what, next week probably? Yeah, next week, because I'm literally at the spot to do it. So. All right, excellent, excellent. Okay, we're going to stay with you for another second here, Carlos. You bring a another game to your segment here that I have never heard of in my life. It's called You Suck at Parking, which I can only imagine is a game about parking cars. It is. Um, I'm only Thank been... God, because it would be fucking weird if it wasn't. <laughs> it's a space sim, and there's resource <laughs> management, and there's a civ element, and there's no cars at all, or parking. And no, that's not true. It's okay, um, good, good. it's like top-down RC program style. That's too old of a reference. Um, what's that, a, is a, that is a very old reference. Micro Machines. <laughs> what's a new Hot Wheels? I mean... I rocket even, rocket um maybe like a rocket league ish eh, but just further away, really. you know like really small cars you know when you you have a top down yeah you know, three quarters perspective like cars driving around i love those games by the way i, I think it's because i did grow up with rc program but um i saw the demo in Summerfest or something and i'm again i'm only playing the demo but i'm definitely gonna buy it because it is a meditative relaxing game kind of like earlier i was saying we need more of those games like belheim yeah, uh, there's little cars, you know, you can pick different cars. It doesn't really matter. They don't really handle that much different. Uh, you start off in this kind of overworld where you're driving the car around. You Your controls are very simple for reasons later I'll explain. It's just, you know, accelerate and brake and, and turn, obviously. But there's no reverse, and that's by design. But it okay. was it was weird because I've never played a car game with no reverse. Uh, but you do make sharp turns. So you can you could know how to do this little drifting kind of action, and you make sharp turns, and it's just really really fun to drive the cars, like hands down. And it looked like it from the demo. So you're driving this overworld. It's similar to that golf game that I played. I can't remember the name of where there's an overworld, and you go into like you drop the uh, the golf ball in the hole, and then you go to a, um, a, a arena or something. What's that game called? I know uh, what you're talking about. It's one of those. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like it's, it's a one funny of the... golf game, remember? Yes, yes, yes. What, Anyways, what the golf, maybe? Yeah, I think it was what the golf. So in that same setting, there's a huge map, and you're driving your car around, and then you get to a little area, and then you can say, okay, I want to, I want to do these challenges, right? And then it'll go to a new map, and you just do like these challenges. So the challenges is all you got to do is go through the challenge like a little obstacle course, almost like a mini golf course, really, and get to the end and park your car. And now that might seem simple, but of course they add a bunch of stuff in the track. So in the beginning, it's just like go around a little U-turn, park the car. By the way, if you hit the brake and you don't land in the zone where you're supposed to park, it puts a little check mark and says you didn't park the car. Oh, I was hoping you were saying the, the car explodes or something. Oh, no. But the car does explode later in some other levels. Okay. But, you know, so you really have to get on that spot, right? Not perfectly, but you have to be on the spot. Then you hit brake and then you beat the level. 
But then they add in jumps. They add in the sides of the walls are exploding, you know, so explode your car. They add ramps. And all the phys- physics feels really fun and good. So it's just a really meditative, relaxing thing to do where you drive around this overworld, which also has all the physics, you know, and the same mechanics. And then you get to a spot, like a little farm or whatever, and you go, I would like to try these obstacles. And it goes and brings you to these obstacle courses. Gotcha. Makes gotcha. sense? Yeah, yeah. That's that's all the game is. I just played the demo. I'm like almost all the way through it, uh, which means that's a pretty good sign. It means I probably want the full game. And I recommend it wholeheartedly. If, if you want a relaxing, you know, challenge-based car physics game, uh, it's just really fun and relaxing and, and good. And you're like, it's just like one of those games where like one more try. You know? Right, right. Is like, this on PC, I assume? Yeah, I'm playing on Steam. Okay. Uh, it'll probably come out. It seems like a Switch game. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Such a Switch game. So I'm sure it'll come out on other systems later. But if you're on Steam like me, check it out. That is You Suck at Parking, currently on Steam. All right, cool. Sounds like a little fun, little time waster. Sounds fun, good. Fun, fun. All right, let me bring a couple games uh, to the table here. The first one... Uh, coming from my favorite publisher and yours, Ratalika. What? I, Why are I you got, doing this to yourself? I got suckered in again. Why are you? There's Everything. the trailer? What did it? What did no. it? No. So, okay, here's the story. Here's the story. Anybody who listens to the podcast for a while has knows that Ratalika is a publisher that does a great job with trailers. Every trailer they put out is kick-ass and awesome. Gets us pumped for whatever game it is. Like, whatever it is. Whoever's doing the trailers is a genius. Yep. You play the game and, like... I don't think I've liked a single game that they've put out, have but I love we, the trailers. I don't think we have. Oh my I don't goodness. think we've liked a single one. And it's weird because I don't know exactly where they're from. I mean, I'm guessing probably Eastern Europe, maybe Russia. I don't know exactly where they're from just based on their name, but there's something very common to all the Ratalika games. Number one, they're all way too hard. Whoever is approving those games has a taste for hard games. Uh, also the physics in most Ratalika games are off. Like the jumping is never floaty enough. The physics are always like, a little bit too tight and kind of squirrely. Like, again, whoever's approving these games likes a very specific type of game, which I actually don't like. It doesn't feel good to me. But they keep approving the same kind of games. So, like, every time I see one that looks cool, I jump in and I have a very similar experience of, like, ah, it's a Radalika game again. I, I, these get me every time because, like, I think I like them and I don't. And I just don't. The reason I played this one today was because the PR person definitely wanted me to give it a shot they're like you know please give it a shot please talk about it in the podcast i'm like yes okay cool i will do that for you um and you know again i'm like okay one of these games i gotta like just like based on the law of averages i've played so many ratalika games at least one of them has got to be it right like at least okay it is not this game it's not this game yeah so what so what this game is it's called within the blade it's either out right now or it's coming out in a day or two. It's it's imminently dropping right now. You play a ninja and there's bad stuff happening and you got to go stop the bad stuff. That's really all I got from the story. Clearly not a story game. Um, so you have... Oh, man. My experience with this game was so strange. I jump into the tutorial. There's, there's the campaign and then there's a separate tutorial. And I'm like, oh, of course I'm going to do the tutorial. Like one of the worst tutorials I've ever played. Like you jump into it way too much information there's just like move after move after move push these two buttons for this one but then push these two plus push up for this other thing and then these opposite two for this other thing and then jump and i'm like oh my god like this i can't process this is like way too much information and on top of that i wasn't even able to perform some of the moves they wanted me to do like for example um it's got like one of the worst wall runs i've ever seen where your ninja jumps up on a wall you have to hold a direction and he runs up the wall 
But if you don't do anything, he jumps off the wall backwards at the height of his jump, and it goes really quickly. And at one point in the tutorial, you need to, to run up a wall, but then land on a platform. And he kept motherfucking jumping backwards over the platform over and over and over. And I'm like, I can't get him to not backflip. What's going on? Hmm. And I just was like going nuts. I mean, it was like a split second run up. As soon as your character clears the platform, which is much harder than it sounds because he moves very quickly, you have to hit down. And if you do it at the exact right time, he lands on the platform. But if you do it a minute too late, he backflips off and kills himself. If you do it a minute too soon, he falls underneath the platform. And I'm like, it shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't be. I, I've been playing games motherfucking like like 38 <laughs> fucking years. That. Okay. A long fucking time. I've played games from A to Z. Every kind of fucking game. I am no stranger to games. And I was struggling with the controls in this game as if this was my first game. Like it was a joke, dude. I was like, okay, whatever's happening here needs to be tuned a little bit. Like, like just chill out. Right. So struggled with the tutorial. I actually quit out of the tutorial because it was just like too much information. It was not being helpful. I was not having a good time. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go into the campaign, start the campaign, 2d pixel based side scrolling ninja game. Um, the campaign actually starts out a little bit better. They go through the tutorial stuff a little bit more slowly. So that was appreciated. That was good. Um, and I, I just started playing it. And again, it just, it's got that rattle like a feel to it. Like character doesn't jump quite right. He moves a little bit too fast. Things are a little bit too twitchy. It's all common stuff to most of the games that they pick. And I just, I just, I'm not here for it. Like it just doesn't feel good. Mm. So I, you know, I played it for a couple levels and I'm like, I mean, no, like I just, I'm just not into it. I'm just not. So that's interesting. Yeah. You said like a rattle, like feel like we're, we're starting to like put that like thing on it, like that term, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got, they must be a small house because it seems like there's a very personal touch to all the games they put out, which I respect, right? If you're a person who's got your own publishing house, of course you are free to put out the games that you like. I mean, I'm guessing the person who chooses these games probably loves these games, right? He probably, he or she or they or whoever probably loves this specific kind of game. And I just don't, right? And that's okay. We are different kind of players. Maybe I like games that this person doesn't like and vice versa, clearly. But man, like they've got a fucking profile when it comes to their releases. And I'm just, I'm just not here for their profile. So I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I want to keep trying their games. I'm trying to be open-minded about it. But I just I just don't like their selections, man. I just don't. Well, one thing is we are the most open-minded about their games, even though we can <laughs> say that we don't like some of them or we haven't liked any of them, I guess. Um, we try a ton of them. We have played a lot of their games, even so, though we never like them. And we, know, I've right? spent money on some of them. You've you got PR codes. I, well, we both spent oh, some no, money. I, yeah, we, yeah, same. I've definitely spent some so money. So there's like that. Games. But secondly, you know, I think some of it comes down to QA, right? Like, even if they're just publishing games, like, they don't they have their own QA? They could be like, hey, let's just, like, you know, look over some of these things and not just have the dev just deliver it to us. I mean, I, I mean I'm I sure guess. they're doing that, but yeah, I'm sure. But it, again, that's what makes me think it must be a taste thing. Right. Cause like, if you like the way that this feels and I'm sure that some people do, right. I mean, some people out there right. must like the way this feels. I feel like they are, you know, they are cultivating a specific kind of feel. And I just, I just, it's not me, man. I just All don't right. like, well, let's so, maybe not yeah. play the next one. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll see. But the next trailer is going to come out. It's going to be badass. Gonna be like, oh, it, I'm going to yeah. love that. Yeah. Well, Cause I, I, and the number one thing is I never know. It's them, you know, until after. Right. I feel like yeah. it's like a little joke. All right. It is It is kind of a joke anyway. Okay. Moving on. That was Within the Blade. If you want a 2D side-scrolling ninja game that has a bunch of weapons and parrying and it moves really super fast, I mean, maybe check it out. There are definitely people out there who like that kind of game. 
it's not me, but if that's you, check it out. Within the Blade, it's out on Switch, and I believe every other console as well. Okay, next game I want to talk about, complete change of pace. Complete change of pace. This is called Labyrinth City, Pierre the Maze Detective. Uh, this is... It couldn't be more different than from Within the Blade, honestly. Uh, it's a French game coming from some kind of like government program i believe that was like kind of like trying to get indie games off the ground trying to put france on the map i believe if, if i'm wrong please somebody correct me but I, I believe that's where this game comes from um it is okay so you've seen the where's waldo books right you know where's waldo is yeah i'm looking at the pictures of it now because that's what i do every time you mention a game i've never okay. seen and it is literally a, a storybook of like where's waldo yes exactly so i feel like where's waldo is something that probably most people know what it is if you don't know google it um but it's this game is basically where's Waldo the game. So you start the game. It's this cute little story of this guy who like robs a museum. He steals some kind of a gemstone or something like that. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, and you are this little boy who's like Pierre, the maze detective. And I, I mean, that's a pretty specific job, right? I mean, I wonder what he's got to do to get that job. Do you go to maze detective school? I mean, I'm not sure. Oh, how yeah, you get that's that a college. It, it's a maze detective. College. It's like a four year degree or something. It's at least like that. four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what happens is. You start at the beginning of this level. Each level is huge, and it looks just like a giant Where's Waldo page. There's like every there's like every inch of every screen is covered with like hundreds of little cartoon characters, and they're all slightly animated. They're all doing something different, and the point of this game is just to walk your, you know, walk Pierre, the maze detective, walk him through these levels and just kind of take in the scene, like see what everybody's doing. So this is not like, it's not a shooter. It's not a hardcore thing. You're not really detective. You're like a little boy who's walking through a Where's Waldo world. And the spectacle is the point, right? So like you start in the museum. There's like all these museum exhibits that are come to life. There's like dinosaurs that are moving, dinosaur skeletons that are moving. There's like statues that are fighting with each other. There's lots of people looking at the exhibits and they're making jokes and some people are hugging and some people are dancing and there's all these little hot spots on the map. As you're walking around, you can talk to people and they'll say something or you can click on something and it'll move. Like, for example, there's like a car. You touch the car and the sunroof opens and like a giraffe pops out and you're like, oh, my God, the whimsy. And you like you like touch a, a vase, like a Chinese vase, and like a little dragon pops out, and you're like, ah, cool. Hold on, hold on, you know, hold like, on. If I had a nickel for every time I've said, oh my god, the whimsy, the whimsy, right? I'd be a I rich know. person, you know, because be that rich. I say that all the time. I mean, that's what this is, right? So, like, the whole point of this game is to walk your little guy through this thing, click on as many things as you can click, and even if you're not clicking, just look at it because things trigger when you get close enough. So, like, maybe something oh, that's, that's like a cool. static scene. Yeah, like as you're walking through. You'll see like maybe, a, you know, like I said, a, a statue and there's like pterodactyls above it and there's like a hundred below. As you start walking close, like the animation kicks in and the guy starts like trying to shoot the pterodactyls in a very nonviolent, friendly way. No one ever gets killed. There's no blood. Um, it's very harmless. Um, and you'll just like sit there and watch it. Right. A little scene will play out for you. And like watching that scene is the point. Like you're just supposed to be like, wow, look at the 150 different things that are happening on this map. And I'm just here to just check them all out and like maybe laugh a little bit. Something's really funny or unexpected. Something's clever. The art is like super cute and colorful. Um, going through each scene is really nice. There's a little pathway throughout the entire world. And as you go through the pathway, you can just go through it if you want to. That's totally fine. But there's also little things to find and explore. Um, all it really does is give you some bonuses like on the main menu screen. It's, I mean, you can totally ignore them if you want to. It doesn't like unlock anything or whatever. It's just something fun to do. Like if you want to make sure you're scouring every corner of the map, 
you can find three stars. You can find three notebook pages. You can find four treasure chests. And if you, again, if you ignore them, it doesn't matter at all. But if you find them, it's just one little extra thing you can do to give you more, you know, more gameplay to make sure you're seeing the corners. But it's just, it's cute. It's really fun. It's like, it's like the most chill. It's like mega chill game. No violence, no explosions, no fail state, no killing, blowing up, like nothing. It's just like you're just walking through, seeing this stuff, enjoying the whimsy, just, you know, just taking it all in. <laughs> oh, it's my a great, whimsy. It's a great game for kids. It would be amazing for kids. I'm actually having a pretty good time with it, too. Just like, just just chill, man. It's like so chill. Uh, and I think it's really fun. It's really unique. It's different. There's not a lot out there like it. And if you want to just kick back with something and just like, just poke at things and see what happens. It's it's really fun. I like it. Quick question. Uh, it does say it's puzzles and stuff. The puzzles are are the things you were talking about, just like finding things. You don't really have to like. Oh, that's right. Solve something I, to move on anytime. There, that is that. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, in each maze so far, uh, first one is like a museum. The second one is like this giant busy street scene, which is really cool. Um, as you go through, there's like, I found one. Uh, I mean, sure, there are puzzles uh, that you can do. You can complete these for, like, one extra reward. It's just like a trophy or something. It doesn't really mean anything. But, I mean, you can totally ignore it. Like, for example, in the first uh, museum area, there were five paintings that were um, that were crooked. They were hanging up on the wall. They were crooked. And if you, uh, like, straightened one of them, like, the next one over would get more crooked. So you're like, oh, wait, if I straighten the second one, then the fifth one goes crooked. And so you got to figure out, like, which in which order to straighten them in. I mean, pretty simple. It took me like maybe 90 seconds to figure it out. The next puzzle in the street scene was like five uh, mariachi guitar players got their notes wrong. You had to like tell them which notes to play. Again, took me like 90 seconds to complete it. So there are puzzles. It's not a brain buster. They're they're just kind of a fun little thing to do. If you don't want to do them, you can completely walk right by them and it doesn't matter at all. It's just totally chill. It's just there if you want to do it for a little extra gameplay. Dude, this seems so relaxing. You're just also talking about, you know, you suck at parking games that kind of you can just zone out into yeah um it's funny that i started with that with with talking about valheim so yeah this seems really cool and i love the art style um it on steam the reviews overwhelmingly positive yeah it's a good time dude it's like i mean if you go into it yeah yeah exactly if you go into it with that mindset right like don't come here because you want to kill some folks or blow shit up right like you got to know what you're getting into but if you know what this game is it's fucking where's waldo and you're gonna chill then this is this is that like to the max, dude. It's really good. All right, I bookmarked it. I'm gonna pick it up on Steam. I'm I'm playing more Steam games. I'm, I'll bring them more to the show. Okay, I, yeah. I have one today. All right, cool, excellent. All right, so that is uh, Labyrinth City, Pierre the Maze Detective. I believe it dropped today on Switch. I believe I'm playing it on Switch. I believe it's also like you just mentioned on Steam. Yep. I don't know if it's anywhere else, but uh, it's least on those two platforms. Twelve bucks. Twelve bucks on Steam. Ah, oh, good price for that much chill. Absolutely, give it a thumbs up. I do. Okay, Carlos, moving back to you. A new game which I don't know a lot about, but I do know that it is inspired by Sunless Sea and Sunless Sky. Those are two really heavy um, narrative-focused games. Uh, put out by Fail Better Games. They're very interesting games. Um, they're not my cup of tea exactly, but I'm always curious to see what those guys are doing over there. And this game is specifically inspired by those. It's called Vagris, um, and that's about all I know. So why don't you fill us in on Vagris? Yeah, we got a code for this, and um, I was interested we did. in the Thank beginning. You. Thank you. Yeah, uh, what's the publisher? Oh, I'm looking it up real quick. Uh, Lost Pilgrim Studio. And they're the developer and publisher, so they are just uh, a small, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, developer. 
And uh, yeah, they, you know, it came across my desk. I was like, oh, uh, RPG with turn-based RPG, but also it's an adventure game, but also it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure game. And that's usually right up my alley. Yeah. And um, it's, that's why I was really excited about it. So I have, I have ups and downs with this game. Um, pros and cons, as they say. So what what is it? Basically, it's a narrative-based game. You know, like Choose Your Own Adventure, it feels like, where there's a lot of, you know, words. So if you don't like reading words... If you don't like words... You're not going <laughs> to like it. But it's it's more told in the, in, the, in the idea of, you know, the choices you make. So it's not just feeding you a, a straight narrative. It's uh, open. You know, it's definitely open to what your choices are and what you do. In some ways, which I am alluding to, it's a little too open where you get kind of confused on what you should be doing. But it does give you the opportunity to basically make your own story, which I love. And we've talked about those types of games on this show before. I haven't really found one that I loved, which is where, like, all of my choices matter. And, you know, yeah, the, the yeah. differences and the outcome is so different. It feels like that happens because I'm going to right now tell you about two different outcomes I had in the same playthrough. Okay. Um, so how does the game work? It is told through, again, narrative. Uh, the story is essentially long time ago, people were assholes like they are and kept like, <laughs> you know, hurting people and making huge, you know, um, castles and, and enslaving people and just being terrible like they do. And so the gods came down and said, fuck all of you. Uh, we're going to destroy everything and, you know, fuck off. And then they just left, by the way. They didn't like just destroy everything and like reset it like like gods could do. They just left everything burning and did shitty, and then they just left. So what happened is obviously just like worse because it was like desolate, and people were like you know creating new systems of slaves and and uh, caravans and merchants and stuff. But so it kind of came back, you know, the world came back, but almost like Mad Max style, right? Right. Like right. it's like it, this is a desolate place now. We all got to like try to survive. And that's where you are. You're essentially uh, a person who is going to control a little group of people, adventurer. You're the adventurer and you're like you have workers and you have um, you know, scouts and stuff and you have a little team and you're going to go do tasks around the world. So some of the most successful people in this world are merchants, right? Or traders. Okay. So the game is actually more focused towards that, and that threw me off originally. On like trading and commerce. Yeah, it's like it's there's a resource management to this game. Mm, yeah, there's yeah. buying and selling of goods. There's upkeep of your people, right? And all that is done only through text, mainly, and some like you know menus. So yeah. because it's like that, it's so open ended that I got a little lost in the beginning. But then I started figuring out that what you want to do is you start off in like some camp. And you are going around this huge map, and you want to go to these big cities. And in the different cities and towns, you'll get things to do. And then when you get things to do, which are tasks, it feels like the choose-your-own-adventure game again, right? So a good example is say you go to a town and it says you can do explore the gardens, or you can go to the cathedral, or you can go to the market. Once you go there, it can be like you can go here. Oh, you see this. And if you have certain skills, you can like see different options, right? Like, oh, I can go downstairs because I'm stealthy or something. Gotcha. And then you get into combat or you get into an encounter or then things happen and then it feels like that choose your adventure game, which is the part that I love about the game. But there's so much open-endedness. Literally, they place you on a map with like such huge distances between like areas that it takes days and days to like travel there, right? 
And then there's also the scout system that I don't get where you can send out scouts places, but I don't know why you do that. So if the publisher developer wants to tell me why you do that, I don't still understand. But essentially you move around the map with this little icon and it takes forever to get anywhere. And you end up just, you know, having to go through resources and rest, etc. So that's the game. There is turn-based combat. I will tell you my funny story about how I didn't really get to do it. Uh, and this is my, my playthrough. So I think this will help illustrate what the game's like. So in the beginning, I was in the map, didn't know what to do. Saw a lot of systems, a lot of menus. They don't really, in my opinion, don't do a great job of tutorial, right, which we both don't like. And, you know, I just didn't know what to do until I found a task, which was bring certain people to a town and they'll pay you money. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going that way anyhow. So on the way there, like I said, it's a long way in between the map, you know, you have to like rest or end the day, you know, how you end the turn in turn-based games. Sure, sure. So I, I, I rest and I'm doing that. I'm traveling across the, you know, the town. And by the way, I could have bought a bunch of stuff from the first town I was in, but I didn't know what to buy. So, you know, to my defense, I didn't know what to do. So as I'm going through and I'm, you know, it's many days, it pops up with like the choose your own adventure style story. And it's like, so your people are really mad at you, your little crew, and they're not very happy. So you should do something about it. And I was like, I, I don't know what to do. And I, there wasn't any options because maybe I didn't pick the right thing. So they go the next night, they go, well, they killed somebody uh, last night. They were just too mad. They murdered somebody. <laughs> so I was like, what is happening? So I noticed I have slaves and I didn't want slaves. So I freed all my slaves. And it was like, it makes them slightly happier. Sl only slightly yeah, happier. Only slightly happier. <laughs> and then halfway through, uh, before we got to the town, right, to bring these people, it says I had mutiny and all the people turned against me because they were too angry and they killed me. And it was game over. Hmm. So, so then I realized there's a resource of food <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had not bought any. Oh, right. Man. So these, I was starving these poor people. Uh, you had like this party of hangry folks and you didn't know why they were hangry. <laughs> they were so hangry. They murdered somebody in my party. So yeah. Okay. So word to the wise, buy some food. Uh, by the way, the next town I stopped in, I bought all the food I could find. And uh, okay. I it had a great autosave feature. And this is the last part of the, my playthrough. It's it's worth it, me telling you. So I finally, you know, made the people happy enough, uh, told them to chill. Again, I liberated all the slaves. They were kind of okay with that. I didn't want them to begin with. And I got to a town, and the people that I was bringing there, they said, oh, we lost our cargo on the, on the, on the way here. We're not going to pay you. But I didn't do anything, you know? Yeah. I kind of like that, though. That's, like, fun. It's, like, you know, story building. So I just kind of assumed, like, okay, almost like D&D &D style. That's just what happened. And they took off. They didn't pay me. And then when I got there, I saw these people, these guys uh, um, accosting a girl. And they were like, you know, it was a struggle. So I went over to attack them, of course, right? And it goes to the turn-based combat. And I was like, oh, excited. Now I get to finally do the turn-based combat. And it just shows a bunch. It shows like the map for a second, like the turn-based uh, tactical map. And there's three guys there. And there's nobody on my side. And now I don't know if one of two things happened. One, I didn't know how to like equip warriors, you know? Didn't know how to add people to your party. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like and they didn't they didn't get fed, so they left or something. I don't know. Or it was part of the story because they were guards of the town and they put me in jail. They were like, Don't mess with us. We can do whatever we want. 
we're like we we're guards here and we can like fuck with any of the slaves we want to do so i think it was actually part of the story which is cool right I mean, I like when stuff like that happens, but if you're not sure, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's kind of like a. Oh, I, I know. Mean, I don't know. I know. Yeah. That's by the way. This is my whole review. Is like there's so many interesting things that like I like a D and D choose your own adventure, and I really like what it's doing. But I didn't know to buy food, and I didn't yeah. know if I was doing that combat right. Um, so if anybody's playing this, let me know. Uh, you know, because I think I just did a bunch of things wrong, but I also had fun. I mean, that's good. You know, listening to you talk about this, it just reminds me of Sunless Sea. I, I played that game on Switch a while ago. I was very curious about it for a long time. Looked looked on paper like it was 100% my jam, like some Cthulhu elements, some top-down combat, like this weird underground world, uh, you know, subterranean ocean, like, you know, pirate kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, this looks, this looks like my thing. But much like your experience when I got into Sunless Sea, uh, wah, wah. it's actually like a commerce sim. Like it's a selling and a buying and an economic thing oh, and not really any of those other things. Interesting. And I was like, what is going on? Like it threw me for the biggest loop because no one had really explained to me this game is really about buying and selling resources. And once I got into it, I'm like, oh, that's one million percent not what I thought it was going to be. And it was, again, like, what am I doing? Where am I going? Why am I doing this? What does this mean? What are the, what are, you know, like a lot of questions that just weren't answered. And I don't know whether they expect people to just kind of figure it out by try and die and try again. Or maybe they want everybody to go to the wiki or something. But I had a pretty, like, I don't know, kind of a cold shoulder experience with it where I just was like, okay, well, I just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And I don't feel like this is even remotely geared towards beginners. So I'm out. Um, But it sounds like exactly kind of what you're going through as well. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, there's definitely some similarities there. I think, it, you know, they and they can do this in post like now, you know, as a, as a patch. But I think just a better tutorial uh, yeah. would help my experience a lot because, again, I like the, oh, this is the end of your game, you know, your team mutinied, and, you know, that's the end, and you accept it or whatever. That's kind of fun. Like, I'm okay with it not going my way, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, I want to know why. And in the beginning, I had to, like, literally die before I figured out I was supposed to feed people. Um, and so that's obviously a, you know, a miss on their end, I think. But again, there's so many interesting things later on. I will say this, you meet, you can have companions. So you find like specialized people who can join your party. So I found this person who's like this super, like essentially someone you'd create in a, in a role-playing game, right. Mm -hmm. Has Mm -hmm. special abilities and like, you know, kind of mutant or whatever. And I'm like, I wish I had him when I was trying to like beat up the guards you know, right, you know right, that would have changed the whole experience that I had instead of just feeling like I just couldn't win. Um, so, yeah, it's a mixed bag for me. I like what's happening. I like some of the story elements. I don't think they should put even the word RPG in it because it, it doesn't feel like that. Like you it said, it sounds more like a roguelike, honestly. Yeah, roguelike ad- uh, narrative adventure, choose your own adventure is what it yeah, is. Yeah, really, narrative you know? roguelike, maybe. Yeah. Which is like kind that. of fun. Again, narrative roguelike, if they would have just said that. Um, so, like like we talk about on this show a lot of times, it's about marketing. Um, I don't think this is an RPG at all. I don't think it's even an action RPG. I think it's a yeah narrative open story game that has some elements of fighting in it, um, and a lot of commerce and and, and a lot resources. of trading, a lot more trading than I wanted. Yeah, just like almost your <clears throat> summer sea experience. Uh, but I, it's not. I'm not done with it though. So I'm gonna go back and like muck about. 
you got to muck about. Muck, muck about. about and find your whimsy. Let's do it. I'm going to find whimsy. I found some whimsy. I mean, again, I like bad endings. So my team mutiny because I didn't feed them. Funny. Like, that's comedy to me. I mean, that is kind of funny. When, well, was, we'll, we'll feed them next time. Yeah, because we were in the food. desert, by the way, too. So, like, I don't think it's, I didn't have water or wine or anything. So. They were, they Definitely get some get some get some provisions before you head out. I bet you will find a slightly happier outcome next time. Yeah. So. All right, that is Vagrus V A G R U S. I believe it's an early access. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, is I it think early it is. Access? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On PC, Steam, and like Carlos said, we were provided a code for the purpose of talking about it on the show, which he just did. All right, back to me. Returnal, Carlos. Oh no, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we're going to skip this segment. Then. Okay, the next game is... Next game. Uh, first, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Good Man Gaming in the Wild. Uh, please check out his podcast. His podcast is really cool. He's got a very soothing tone, talks about a lot of cool games, and he's not afraid to call bullshit bullshit. Like, when he when he feels like something is bad or wrong, he definitely says it, which sound, it kind of sounds funny because he's got such a chill voice. You don't expect him to like call bullshit on something, but when he does, I'm like, yes, brother, yes, I love a <laughs> podcast that's not afraid to call something out. But he also praises a lot of things. Good show. I love Gaming in the Wild. I listen to it. It's one of the the few that I try to catch as often as possible. Um, so shout out to him. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is not just like a random, you know, cheerleading PSA, but because he and I were kind of like uh, commiserating about Returnal. I was still going through it uh, last week. He had been through it a little while. He had an episode about it on his show. And then he, I had kind of inspired him to pick it back up after he had noped out of it. So we were kind of like comparing notes on Twitter and just the commiserating and stuff. Um, so yes, Returnal, uh, you played it a while ago. You noped out of it. I did. I, did I ever talk about it or did I not talk about it? You did. I mean, we've definitely mentioned it a couple times. You said you went back to it, and then I said you're crazy, and you're just like, yes. I think it was last episode, and you go, I'm going to finish this if I die. I'm going to do it. That's something like you said. Yes. Like that. Yes. So I finished it. Finished it. Finished you finished, it finished it? I did. Finished, finished? Completely finished it, yes. You're in. You're inhuman. You're I'm, not I'm a human here. person. I didn't want to, but it was one of those games where it's like it was going to bother me, right? Like, it's like one of those things where it's like, I feel like I can. I don't want to. I have problems with this game. I have big problems with this game, but I feel like I would not be at peace, like, internally if I had let it go. So I kind of, I, again, not a hate play, but kind of like a, God damn it, I, I'm not going to let this game beat me kind of a thing. And I just, I played it and I did finish it. <clears throat> it's the weirdest thing. So again, for people who don't know, Returnal, uh, Housemark, PS5, exclusive, behind the back, third person, run and gun, action. It's also got a roguelike structure. It also incorporates some bullet hell elements. Um, that little bit of platforming, that kind of a thing. You play Celine. Yes, Celine, who is an astronaut, crash lands on a planet looking for a weird signal she dies and every time she dies she wakes but wakes up back at the crash landing of her ship and just starts over so it's kind of like groundhog day in space minus bill murray plus guns kind of a thing yep although i, I have to wonder if it might be better if bill murray was in it somehow. it would be a, a thousand percent better and it i would mean probably maybe not be as hard because bill murray would just do some sort of like funny thing and like win the level I mean, probably that would be yeah. that would be a very interesting. Maybe there would be some DLC, Bill Murray DLC, Groundhog Day DLC. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, I went back to it and I was struggling, man. I was struggling. I, I played this game probably for like two weeks, maybe like two or three runs a day. And remember, this is a roguelike. So like you start with nothing at the beginning and just kind of make your way through. And I just was really frustrated with it. Um, I feel like the graphics are great. Controls great. 
physics are great. Like, it feels very good to play. It looks great. Great premise. I think, you know, uh, being resurrected on that planet infinite times is very interesting, and I was curious to see what they're going to do with that. So I was in, but I just got really frustrated because as someone who plays literally every roguelike, there were a lot of choices that Returnal made that just really confused the hell out of me. I mean, number one, no save, which I still think is a bullshit, stupid decision. Uh, there's no justification for it, and I think that uh, it's silly. It's just it's just goddamn silly and kind of disrespectful of my time um, that there's no saving in that game. Uh, there were many times when I was on a good run and that I needed to make dinner. I needed to yeah. go to bed. I needed to help my son with something, and I wanted to save my fucking game. Like, real life happens. It's dumb that you can't save. Um, beyond that, uh, just the way that the game was balanced, I feel like it was re it's really hard in the first three biomes. There are six biomes altogether. The first three biomes are really, really hard. There's not enough items. This game has a, a sick fascination with, like, negative items. Like, I feel like it's baseline a very difficult game. And then, mo like, half the items you find have a negative status to them. You can get negative statuses inflicted on you. Uh, there are yeah. parasites you can pick up, and those have negative statuses as well. Like We, we didn't even mention that. That's, like, such a weird thing to put in something that's already difficult. Yeah, I just, I, it seems like they were really scaling towards the get good crowd, where it's like, this is baseline hard, and, like, you've got a lot of chances to pick up items, but most of these items have some kind of negative to them. And it's like, man, why are you guys so fucking hung up on making things harder like how about yeah. you make your game just more fun and more accessible um so that was really difficult but i i stayed in i kept playing uh and it was i mean i gotta be honest with you it was not really like a fun two weeks like i wasn't really enjoying myself it was more of like a i am determined i'm not gonna let this game beat me i'm gonna get the better of this game i'm gonna just hang in there so i, I never came to the, the point of where i was like oh i really respect what they did in hindsight and i think no 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 it was bullshit i still call bullshit on it I still don't think it's balanced very well. But here's the here's the weird fucking thing, right? Okay, so here's what happens. You get past Biome 3, which was a huge uphill battle. You beat that boss. That was a very difficult boss. You get to Biome 4. It's like I thought the game was glitched. It got so easy all of a sudden. It was like huh. Celine gets this incredible boost to her firepower. Rather than doing this little pea shooter shit like she's doing in level 1, She's got, like, every gun she picks up is, like, booms, like, explosions, lasers. Like, she gets super powerful with her guns. She gets a permanent upgrade. All the all the items that you were afraid to pick up, all of a sudden, there's, like, tons of items that have no negative status associated with them. She All the money that you couldn't find that you needed is, all of a sudden, all over the fucking place, just on the ground. What? Pick this it up. This seems unbalanced. It's crazy. I was like, what's going on? Is this a... Did my game glitch? What happens? It's like a switch got flipped and it kicked into like easy mode. And it took me two weeks to get through biomes one through three. I got through biomes four, five, and six in one day. Just shot right through. What no problem. Hell? No problem at all. And it's not because I got better. I honestly don't feel like I got better because I feel like I hit my skill ceiling probably like in the first week. And from that point on, it was just about whether I had a good run or not. Did I find the right gun? Did I find any items that were going to actually help me? Did the boss not do that one particular attack? Did I have enough revival items, etc., etc.? Like, it wasn't about me getting better. Uh, and so when I got to biomes three, uh, 4, 5, and 6, it was just like, the guns were super strong. I had plenty of items. I had plenty of money. I had plenty of the things that revive you. And I'm like, holy shit, like, they're drowning me in all these items that I absolutely could have used in biomes 1, 2, and 3. Why did they save them all for the end of the game? Like, I don't fucking get it. So... It was like a switch, dude, like switch. Easy mode kicked in, 
which I'm not mad about because I finished the game, but it's like, why did you make the beginning of your game so fucking hard? And why did you make the back end so fucking easy? I mean, I think I fought mm. the last boss twice. I got to him once, didn't know what he did. I died. Second time, beat him. Like, like it wasn't even close. Like, it was easy. And what? I'm like, it was just crazy. It was just insane. I have another question. I, yeah. I hate this answer. I mean, I hate what I'm hearing is what I'm saying. But um, the other question was, we had talked about this before. They're, they were definitely focusing on a story and this kind of interesting little cutscenes they would feed you throughout each biome. Yeah. yeah. When you f- saw the final story without spoiling it, um, do you feel like it was worth it at all? The story no. part? No, no, I not at no. all. So no, fuck this I... game. Fuck this game then. That's my still opinion. Fuck this game. I mean, From yeah, I mean, I think that, I think it's a valid opinion. I really do. I think this it's just wildly unbalanced. Uh, a lot of the decisions don't make any sense. Um, I, they could have done a lot of things to make this game a lot more enjoyable and playable all the way through, and they chose not to. And 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 again with the story too. That was the thing that I was really hoping was going to come together. Uh, when you get to the end of the game, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but it's kind of an ambiguous ending. There are lots of different theories about it on the internet, and basically that's just what you got to do. You got to go look up some wikis or look up some Reddit or something and be like, well, what did you think about the game? What did you think about it? What did you think about it? And everybody's got a conflicting theory. I mean, I, I feel like personally that's a pretty unsatisfying way to end the game, and I, I kind of feel like the developers didn't have enough... Uh, I don't know, they didn't have enough confidence in the story they were trying to tell. So whenever somebody leaves a game wide open at the end, like super open to interpretation for me, that to me says like you weren't really sure what you should do, so you left it open. Or um, or or let me play a okay, yeah, devil's yeah. advocate to that because I've played games where they leave it open. Or and we mentioned before on the show, I love David Lynch, and he's never going to tell you what his movie means. Sure, you can do that, but just not in this type of game. Which is what I said originally when I went to the house level and I was like, "Ooh, interesting, weird, esoteric stuff and spaceman and where am I really?" You can do that if it's a narrative game or if it's a shorter game or if it's not super fucking hard to get to the ending in the same, you know, setting where you're still it's you're still thinking about the thoughts. If I played it, went back and tried to like do all the things you did, even if it was easier on the back end, you just forget that kind of flow, you know. And I don't know. I think you can leave things open ended in a different type of game. This one just doesn't feel like that type of game to do it. In my opinion. I mean. I read a bunch of the threads. I could see how people were putting together the clues. I mean, some of it kind of made sense. Some of it you had to squint a little bit to make it make sense. I mean, okay, whatever. But bottom line, I mean, maybe other people disagree, but for all the shit this game put me through and all the hard effort I put into it over that three weeks of playing this game, I really wanted like a more satisfying ending that maybe would have helped a little bit just to feel like, yeah, okay, maybe it was worth it. I'm glad that I saw how it turned out. And just to have this giant, wide open, ambiguous sort of a thing happen was just like, Oh, God. It was just like the ultimate, just like... So it's just a trophy for you. It's like uh, you put like an animal head on your wall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can... Exactly. I mean, I can say anybody who wants to step to me, that's fine. Go ahead if you disagree. But I finished the game. So it's like you can't say that I noped out and I didn't have the wherewithal to get through it. I did. I did basically everything you can do. There's, There's an extra thing you could do at the end, which is basically just like rerunning the levels. And I'm like, I don't need to do that because it's not going to add anything to the game. It's just going to give me more hours in the game, which I don't need. I rolled credits. It's fine. So, you know, I can talk all the shit about it that I want. Cause I saw everything that there was to see. So anyway, um, it's very close to being a good game, but it makes some pretty devastating bad decisions. And I feel ultimately it doesn't do itself any favors by being so difficult. So, uh, yeah, disappointing, disappointing, disappointing in general. Uh, I also, you know, I can't take back the positive experiences I had with in the beginning 
when I first got my PS5, right? And I got to see it's it's stunning graphics. It's like oh yeah, fucking beautiful, and and using the haptic feedback really really well. So I'll look at I'll look for their next game. I just hope that it's not a roguelike. Yeah, I mean they could they could do things to make it better. Now I hope they learn some lessons from this game about their next game. I mean definitely some good things. It starts off with a really strong opening first uh, impression. I think anybody will fall in love with this game if they only play it for like half an hour, an hour. But like once you start to get into it, you start to see the weirdness and the strange decisions. And yeah, it's this game is like a perfect game for a very, very small segment of the gaming population. And I think that a lot of people are not in that segment and they just kind of don't seem to give a shit about anybody who's not in that segment, which is not really uh, what I like to see in my games, I guess. All right. We're done talking about it. then. We're done. We're done. We're done. All right, all done with uh, Returnal. Carlos, kicking it back to you. Necromunda Hired Gun. This is the one that I brought to the podcast a couple weeks ago. I had some real problems with it. It didn't run very well. It didn't feel very good. I'm a big fan of Warhammer 40K, which is why I checked it out in the first place. But this one just did not do it for me. Uh, And I'm surprised to see that you jumped into it. So tell us uh, your experience about Necromunda Hired Gun. So we have... We play all the games, and I, you know, played so many that I forget which ones we've even played. I for, and we do so many podcasts, I forget that you played this. You talked about it on the podcast, then? Yeah, we did. We talked about it a couple episodes ago. And a couple episodes. Oh my goodness! I guess I just spaced and didn't put two and two together when I saw it pop up in the store. Um, oh no, it's been in the store for a while. Like. I was hungry. I was in the, one of those hungry modes. You know, Carlos gets hungry for... <laughs> you were hangry. You forgot how to add yourself hangry. to your party. You got into a battle, and then you bought this game on accident. Instead of murdering somebody in my own party, I bought this game, Necromunda Hired Gun, <laughs> and forgot that we talked about it in the show. Just real quick before I talk about it, remind me on high level, you didn't like it, I remember, for the glitches or something, right? Or something, how yeah, it ran? It, was, it, was, it didn't run very well. The frame rate had some problems. It was kind of nauseating because of like the fisheye effect with the camera and how squirrely it felt. And I just it just didn't do it for me. Like I just felt like it was too fast, too unstable. The wall running didn't feel good. Like I just none of it was really coming together for me. Yeah. Okay. so um, I again, I picked it up because a I forgot that we talked about it because we talk about every game. And B, I was uh, just, you know, itching for some sort of shooter that had other elements to it. And so the more I read about it. Even if even if I do slightly remember that you talked about it, the, I was interested in this idea of no, I'm not going to use it, overuse it again. RPG elements, <laughs> but it's not RPG elements, but it's more like just upgrading elements, right? And I, I actually was intrigued because people said it's a little cumbersome and weird that you would put so many upgrading stuff in a game that's such a fast shooter like this. Um, So I kind of like that combo because if you remember, I love Rage and Rage 2, mainly Rage 2. And people talked about it having kind of um, Fallout, Mad Max, Doom vibe altogether. But with this kind of you can do a ton of missions, you can do a bunch of side missions and you can literally upgrade like a ton of stuff. And they're not wrong. I don't I don't know if you talked about that last time you brought to the show, but uh, it's it's a looter shooter, not looter shooter. It's a shooter game like Doom straight up like doom do levels there's a campaign but there's a million side missions because the whole idea is you're this hired gun you're a you know mercenary type person exactly exactly go do as many missions as you want get loot uh ad nauseum or whatever to get a ton of loot but the loot is is it, i don't if you talked about it but the menu is so cumbersome yeah, it's not a great menu for no either. reason you know 
I didn't even realize at some point that you have these little trinkets you can add that are, it's fun. It's like min maxing because you can like add 4% critical uh, hit chance. You can add uh, five, five hit points and you can actually add five pages of these things. But oh, in the beginning, it does you didn't tell you that. So I just put five in my little slots. But then I noticed you could hit like right one and go over to the next page. So then I was like really kind of excited because I added like 15 or something. So all these new bonuses just changed the way I was playing the game because now I had more health, you know, and I had more of a critical to hit chance. And so, okay, so I kind of enjoy that element of it. There's a lot of weapons, a lot of different... Like you can actually upgrade every single weapon in million different ways, so it's too much, but it's also interesting because these games generally don't have that, right? You just yeah, pick up a new yeah. gun and that's it. Exactly, exactly. So mixing the two, I like. The menus are fucked. Because besides those two things, second thing, you can't just go to your inventory screen at any time. You can't go to it. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, you, there's no button for it. Like when you're walking around the hub town, you can't just like go look at your shit. You look at your shit when you go to areas or like you right. go to the store and you can see your stuff. But that's like a real fail. Like this in this game where you have all these upgrades, you can't just go to it at any point. Yeah, that seems kind of weird. Anyways, so yes, it's straight up Doom because they even add the element of when you kill enemies, you get health back. Which, again, I'm on the fence with because I didn't like it in Doom, but only because I didn't feel like I had... You know, I could run out of ammo a lot. And in this one, you run out of ammo, but you do have so many different weapons. You can switch back and forth. And there's actually, I don't know if you talk about this too, but as you start upgrading your character, there's a lot of powers and abilities. So, like, literally the second mission, I was slowing time. You, do, I don't think you got that far, man. No, no. I, yeah, yeah, this all sounds great. And this, and everything you're saying is, like, the reason why I kind of checked it out in the first place. But yeah. it just, it felt so kind of horrible when I was playing it. Like, I didn't. I wasn't going to sit around and just like the basic experience of playing the game wasn't good enough to get me to see all the rest of the goodies that were there. It right. was like just the, the actual controlling and the feeling and the camera view was like yuck. So it didn't matter that there was all these stuff. But, I, I mean, yeah. what you're saying sounds awesome. Yeah. I think what it is a lot of these times, again, it's whether a tutorial or whatever, but you know, if I'm, if you're further in the game, even in that perspective, I don't think it was a fisheye, but it, it is, I see what you mean, but it's, it's, it's definitely like doom. Right, the new Doom, where it's like yeah, exactly. super fast, and yeah. I generally don't like that either because even Rage Two is a little slower. But I do like, um, I really like the, like the environments are really interesting. Like the second environment I was in was on, on a moving train, as it, and I had to like go down the whole length of a moving train, and it's just incredible graphics and like really interesting to be in the engine room, and now I'm on the side of the thing and it's flying by and. And yes, the action was super fast, but as you can new, get new powers, I was slowing down time, right? So it, it made it much easier. You have a pet dog, and you stick the dog on people. Um, you know, I, oh, there's really good power. It, you turn into a melee game. Uh, you probably didn't know that either. No, no, I did not get that far. So you go to a, you pick one of your, you know, it's got a cooldown effect, but you pick it, and it, you have a sword all of a sudden. And you know how me, I like the swords in the melee. And then I got really like I was having fun because I was running up to dudes and hitting them with my sword and I had a defense buff. So it changed the way you play the game as you got more powers. Uh, these are all positive things, but I still have a lot of problems with it and mainly that it's you know, cumbersome for no reason. Like there's no reason for it to be so tricky about how you see the stuff that you have. 
you know, because yeah. you're yeah. gonna pick up so much stuff. I don't know why they did that, but the the positives are, I, I enjoyed the campaign stuff. It's an interesting world, that 40k world. Uh, you know, this is like the Hive City. There's all these gangs, really weird characters. So there's some interesting things there. Um, the 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 two negative things I would say is one, yeah, it is really fast until you slow it down with abilities. And the worst thing is they really go to town with the flanking you with like a ton of spawning enemies. Mm, And that is literally almost making me stop playing because I was in a corner up on, you know, somewhere where there's just walls, you know, nothing's happening. Right. And I'm just like, going to like, give me a second. I'm going to like compose myself, send my dog out, you know, get it, take a health kit. I'm in the corner where there's nothing enemy spawned. Uh, just out of thin air. Out of fucking thin air, and there's uh, walls. That sucks. That, that sucks. sucks, bro. So they're like, that's you know what that's doing is artificial difficulty. Yeah, I can't stand that, dude. I, I mean, can't stand. If that. you're gonna spawn enemies, spawn them in some place where they could like theoretically have like walked in, like yeah. maybe a hallway or a doorway or something, but not not in a place like that. That happens like in some games where like you clear out a space, you think you've killed everybody in there, it's empty. You take a minute, like you said, to use a health kit or something, and then boom, somebody's in there with you. Like, fuck off. Right. And now, and now and a positive is when you do kill them on the level, they are all gone, right? It's not like they're coming back forever because of a little camp or something. But, yes, they want to flank you. They want to fuck you up and have you getting shot from all angles. And it's artificial, right? It's artificial yeah. um, trying to simulate doom. And they just need to calm down. I think if this game would have been more like Rage 2 and – you know, you could see the enemies coming, and it was a little slower. I think more people would have played it. But that being said, I'm pretty far in now because I just got into like shooting in the campaign, and I have a really good loadout, and I can shoot. You know, I can swing a sword. So hmm. I I definitely enjoyed it more than you. I definitely got further than you, and that for sure. made me enjoy it more. Because I can see what you mean. If I just played this for the first level. And I didn't like how fast it was. I'd be like, I'm out of here. You know, I wonder if it's benefited from any patches post release. You know, like we always say, I mean, every game is better six months uh, after you say that. You say that. I mean, it's it's just it's true. It's not true, but it's okay. It is true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wonder. It's been a while. It's been a hot minute. I don't think it's been six months, but it's been, you know, at least a couple shows since I talked about this. I, I wonder, given the reception that it's got, I think I was. Certainly not the only person who had similar complaints about it. I wonder if they've been working on it. I mean, maybe it is genuinely a better experience now that you are in it. Maybe I should go back and check it out again. I mean, you own it, right? Yeah, I do. I yeah, do. I, it, I yeah. think that here's the one thing I'll say. Do this, and maybe we could talk about it on the show one more time, at least one more time, is just get more upgrades and then see how it plays. Because it, it feels better and easier, in quotes, to me, because I added 15 you know, inventory items that give me buffs. Right, right. I, I can slow down time. I can send my dog out and I have a sword. So to me, it gives me more options to play this game. So I would do that and let's talk about it one more time, maybe. All right. Seems like it's maybe worth a revisit. So, okay. That is uh, Necromunda Hired Gun. You're playing it on what, PS5? PS5. All right. I think I played it on the Xbox X. So maybe I'll go back and check it out. Uh, okay. One, one more game to talk about and then one little bonus thing at the end here. I am going to talk about a game called Unavowed, uh, originally debuted on PC. I want to say it was like last year, maybe. It just came to the Switch. It's either on the Switch or it's coming to the Switch. I feel like it's already on the Switch. Uh, this is coming to us from Wadget Eye Games. They'd make a lot of point-and-click games. I don't know a lot about their output because most of their games 
uh, just stay on PC, and everybody knows I don't play much on PC. But we did review this one last year at Game Critics. I didn't do it. Somebody else reviewed it, and they loved it. I think it was Jeff Ortloff, I believe. And uh, I saw it pop up, and PR was kind enough to send me a code uh, for the purpose of talking about it on the show, which I'm doing right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, spoiler, it's fucking awesome. It's, like, super good. Uh, really dig it. Have you heard of Unavowed, Carlos? No, I'm looking at it on Steam. It came out a while on Steam, uh, and it's fun to see these games get a second life uh, when it comes to console, you know, or handheld. Yeah, um, yeah. But very, very positive, overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam. It looks like an adventure game, point and click. Yeah, yeah, it is a point and click adventure game. Absolutely. Uh, 2D uh pixel based uh graphics uh really well done it's really cute uh, basically the premise is uh you play a character who is possessed by a demon that's like the first one minute of the game so this is not a spoiler uh it's like you turn on the game your character is possessed there's somebody there who is uh, in the middle of an exorcism they're trying to save you they save you the demon leaves your body but then you're kind of like ah what have i been doing for for the last year that I was possessed. And then you figure out that while that demon was riding around in your body, it was doing all sorts of awful shit. And so now you uh, team up with the people who, who exercise that demon from you. Uh, they are the unavowed. They're kind of like the secret uh, mystical society. And they go around like solving, you know, magical crimes and stopping mythical monsters and stuff like that. So you join them and you go around the city trying to solve the mystery of this demon that you still have to track down. And finding out everything that it's been doing while it was using your body. Pretty cool premise. Mm. I was pretty into the premise. Uh, it starts off really well. Graphics are big and clear and clean, which I like. Uh, dialogue is great. And there's lots of dialogue. It's really well done, really sharp. Every character has their own personality. Uh, lots of stuff you can look at. And also, while you're just walking around, um, it's you. And you're usually with two other people. So you're usually with a party. I think ultimately there are four characters plus you. Uh, so you're always like with yourself and then two other people. You leave two people back at base. You can pick and choose who you want to go around with. Uh, there's like a lady who is a genie. There's a guy who can do fire magic. There is an ex-cop. And I think that's her only power is being an ex-cop. And there's a guy who can talk to ghosts. Um, everybody's a cool person. Like I like everybody on my team. I think they're all cool for different reasons. Uh, all the stuff is fully voice acted. The voice acting is really good, uh, which is great. And the thing that really sells this game the most to me, though, is that I have a long history of not getting along with point and click games. We've talked about this before. I don't like that whole that whole that moon logic bullshit. Right. Like we're let's say you're at a locked door and rather than kicking down the locked door or lock picking the locked door or whatever, you have to go find a guy who's in another building and he's eating a sandwich and he wants an olive for his sandwich. But there's a cat that's got the olive. And in order to get the olive away from the cat, you need to find a piece of black cardboard paper and yeah. then you put that in front of the moon and then the moon light looks like a rat and then the cat goes oh my the goodness shadow. you know like it's all that bullshit yeah. right like I, I hate that fucking bullshit i hate it hate it hate it hate it my brain does not process that shit my brain doesn't work that way and those kind of games like if you don't click with the quote-unquote logic you'll just get stuck constantly and i don't like looking at i don't like having an faq open beside me as i'm playing a game right so in this game, it's not like that at all. It's very logical. Uh, the places that you can search in each, like, quote-unquote episode, it's kind of broken up in, like, six or eight episodes. Uh, in each episode, there's only, like, I don't know, like five, maybe eight or ten screens you can go to. So it's not a huge amount of places to search. Uh, you can hold down a button, and it immediately tells you what on the screen can you click on. What is there just for flavor? It just tells you. 
You don't need to fucking click on every goddamn thing on the screen, so it saves your time. Plenty of flavor text if you want it, but if you don't want it, you can just go straight to the things that are interactable, right? And on top of that, everything that I've done so far has been pretty logical. Like, you know, there's a few little puzzles where you got to find one thing to do another thing, but it's not crazy. Like, it's not insane. Like, it's within the realm of believability. You know, for example, there was a monster in an alley. Uh, We couldn't beat him because he was too strong. I noticed that there is a fuse box, which is sparking. Okay, clearly there's a fuse box. Electricity somehow. I needed to find a piece of wire. And it was just wire. Like, it wasn't like I found, uh, you know, I don't know, like a bowling pin and I cracked it open and inside was a piece of wire. You know, like it was just like I just picked up a piece of wire and I'm like, okay, good. Connect the wire to the box. You got to get the guy to stand in some water. That's a pretty common real world thing. It's a game thing. You know, you, you flood some water, you put the wire. I mean, you know, there were steps to it. Like you were still doing stuff, but it wasn't insane. Like I could very quickly figure out, given what I've got to work with, this is the solution I need to shoot for. And at that point, it's a very simple trial and error because there's only so many things you can do. Like it's a very limited environment. And I say that in a very positive way. And I like Um, that better because if you are invested in the story, you don't get lost. Kind of like I was exactly. earlier with Returnal. Like, you know, you can still be on track with what's happening. Exactly. And so the thing about this is, the thing that's really cool about this is the puzzles are, I mean, I'm about three quarters of the way through the game. Every puzzle I've been able to figure out on my own. It has been very logical. Um, there's one part where I got kind of stuck, but cool thing is you can talk to your teammates. You can be like, hey, I'm stuck. What do you think I should do? And each teammate will tell you like a slightly different clue. So like it'll kind of help you and keep it within the context of the game, which is great. Uh, Also, the teammates that you pick, each one has abilities. Um, The fire magic guy, he can set things on fire. He can he is immune to fire. Uh, He can also he has this magic power called I think it's called like fire reading, where if there's ever been a book that's been burned, he can like reconstitute it and read what was burned. So he's got like three or four different things he can do that are within his wheelhouse. If that doesn't help you with your quest, you've got the guy who can talk to ghosts and he's got a friend ghost who's with him all the time. He can see things that you can't see. He can talk to ghosts that you can't talk to. So if you come up against a barrier where there's this ghost blocking your way and you can't talk to him, but here's your friend and he's like, oh yeah, I can see this guy. We're, we're, we're bargaining it out. I got to find out what his problem is, solve his problem, get past it. So like each member of your party has things they can do and you can leverage those abilities as you go through these puzzles, which again are very well constructed. There's not a thousand items. You're not picking up a million junk things in your inventory. You're not constantly randomly going item A plus item B. That didn't work. Item A plus item C. You're you're not doing that shit, which is good. And you're not searching a million different screens. Like It's always three, four, five screens. And as long as you talk to your teammates for help and you take a look around what's going on, hit that button that shows you what's interactable, you're going to figure it out. Like It's not super hard. I'm not the smartest person in the world, especially when it comes to these games. And if I've been able to figure out so far, I don't think anybody else is going to have a problem either. I really like the puzzle design a lot. I like the characters a lot. Story has been great so far. Interacting with people is great. Sometimes you're on a screen and your teammates will just talk to each other just on their own. And just listening to those conversations is really cool because they talk about stuff that's just like fills in the world, fills in their backstory. But it's not a quest. It's not something that you have to listen to. It's just like, you know, if you want some flavor, it's right there. If you don't want it, fuck it. Just move on. I mean, this game makes all the right decisions. It's 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 got its head in the right place. It's got a great pace to it, great characters. I'm just, I'm all about this game. This game is great. I have literally no complaints at all. This is a great game. This is like uh, you finding the adventure game that works for you without those weird combination stuff. That yes. I, how I'm looking for a roguelike 
that will like be my roguelike, you know? That checks off your boxes and doesn't yeah, piss you off. I, there's got to be off. one out there. We haven't found it yet, but we will find it. But you found the adventure game, and that's cool because, yeah, we both have that same frustration, like combining items and all that stuff, and it seems like it's good and has a good story, and I looked at the art, and I like it, so that's a thumbs up. It is It is 100% recommended. There are very few adventure games I like. This is absolutely one of them. Unavowed. Nine Witches, I think, is excellent. I also really like Dark Side Detective. Those are all great games. And the thing that they have in common is they don't, uh, they keep it small, right? They keep it small. And if you keep it small, it keeps it solvable. And all the puzzles kind of make sense. Like, as long as those things are there, this is really fun. This is a fun experience. So I like it. Small and contained and simple. And these games do it. Unavowed. Great. Absolute recommendation. I love it. It's, it's a great time. Nice. All right, so that is Unavowed. It's on Switch. It's great handheld. It's great on the uh, docked mode, whatever. It's good either way. That is it basically for the show. But I do want to say that after the closing credits, we are going to have a little bit of bonus content. Uh, We were sent a code for a game called Imagine Earth. It is an ecological economic simulator, kind of like a SimCity, but on a fictional planet with like some aliens and some kind of different concerns about like how to manage the ecosystem and not pollute your world. Um, I was not too into that, but my son, uh, who is getting older, he's now 12, was very into it when I showed him the pictures. And he's like, dad, 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 I want to review that. I'm like, okay, cool. So we got sent to code. He's been playing it on his own time. He is going to be talking with me here on the podcast in just a few seconds. He's going to give us his impressions. So if you want to hear what my son Whitaker has to say about Imagine Earth, please stick around until after the closing music and we will play that bonus segment. But for now... I think that's it for us, unless you've got something else you want to bring up, Carlos. Nope, I'm done. I'm all all talked out. All right, talked out. I am pretty talked out as well. Uh, We will, uh, I guess, just wrap it up. That is it, folks. This is the show. I mean, again, listen for that bonus episode if you like after closing music. But for now, uh, send us your questions, send us your comments, send us uh, anything you like. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at so video games, but you can reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Uh, TikTok.com slash a lot of shit. A lot of things. A lot of shit. That's no, a, not a lot that's of a great, shit. That's a great tag. No, wait, it's TikTok, TikTok.com slash uh, hands. What did I call it? Hands. The name of this podcast. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know what you were going for. Port- uh, you said hand. No, I wrote it down. You wrote portable it down. hand system. Portable, portable hand, hand system. systems. Yeah, TikTok.com slash portable hand system. No, TikTok.com slash uh, a lot of things comedy. There you go. Okay, great. As for me, the usual Twitter, Instagram, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And this is going to do it for episode 241. Thank you again for joining us here on the Soba Games podcast, and we will see you next Friday. And again, don't forget, my son's coming up right after the music. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And Bye from Carlos. And breathe. That took a lot out of me. All right. We are now here with my son, Whitaker. Uh, Thank you all for listening. If you stayed past the closing music for his uh, bonus segment here, we're going to be talking about a new 3D planetary sim game called Imagine Earth. Uh, We were sent a code for the purpose of talking about it on this podcast, which we are about to do right now. Um, I don't know very much about this game. I I saw some images of it, and it seemed pretty cool, but sims like this are not generally my thing. 
Fortunately, my son really likes these a lot, and he was willing to give it a shot. So he was the lucky recipient of the review code, and he agreed to tell us all about it right here on So Video Games. Uh, Whitaker, welcome back to the show. Ah, oh, thanks for having me. Um, no, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna say? Um, today I'll be talking about Imagine Earth, the colonization sim. Yes, absolutely. So you've been on the show before, right? Yeah, I have. All right, good. Uh, are you nervous about recording, or you feel okay? Yeah, a little bit. A little nervous. Okay. Well, this is going to be painless. Uh, it's going to be nice and fun. We're going to talk about this game. So basically, all I know about this game is that it's uh, it happens in space. You find like a random planet, and then your I don't know your company or whatever sends a spaceship to whatever planet you find, and then you have to like build a city and like generate resources. Is that basically how it starts? Yeah, you start by landing your pod in whatever flat space you can find. As long as it's not flattening like any natives living on the planet, because that would not end well. And uh, the basis is just gathering resources using warehouses, which send out drones to collect items such as gold and a and a rare crystal called Ideon, which can be which is super valuable on the space market. So there's a lot of like resource management, right? I mean, a lot of these sims have to do with like collecting materials i mean i thought i saw you collecting wood and stone and things like that and that's like the basis you need uh to get your colony started right yeah the basis of the supplies are goods food power and people after you get that um that's the basis of a colony then you just keep expanding from there all right so the the twist to this game or at least the thing that i saw that made it stand out from other games is that it seems to put a lot of emphasis on uh, ecological matters, like environment. Um, for, so, for example, as I was watching you play the game, there was like one meter that kind of gave the, I don't know, the health of the planet. And it seemed like a lot of the industries that you had access to, like fossil fuels, coal, or, you know, chopping down trees and stuff, it seemed like those had like a negative um, effect on the planet. Am I seeing that correctly? Yes, this game can have a, uh, like, ecological fallout if you have global warming such as having too many coal power plants nuclear power plants chopping down trees so just like real life yes except it goes at a lot faster rate than others so i guess what is like why would you want to keep the earth or i mean it's not the earth but like why would you want to keep that planet healthy now i get being a good cosmic citizen right like you don't want to go around trashing every planet you get to but in the game is there a benefit to like having a planet that's healthy I mean, for basically the happiness of your people and, well, for the natives living on the planet, if there are any. Let's talk about this. Okay, so there's a couple things I want to ask you about. So the happiness of the people. You want to build a city. I mean, I guess the basic premise is to expand your city. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so if you expand your city, you need more people. You want to keep your people happy. And if they are not happy, then they want to leave. So maybe part of the reason you want to keep that planet healthy is so that the people living on it like like enjoy living there. They don't want to live in like what smog and toxic filth, right? Yeah, and your city doesn't get flooded by a tsunami. If you have like like global warming and, and weather patterns like disrupt and stuff, right? Yes. And many things can keep your people happy, such as parks, trees, mountains, but things that don't make them happy, such as coal power plants being nearby, are not exactly great. 
I mean, that makes perfect sense because I think that people in real life who live next to a coal power plant probably don't like that very much either. So that makes sense. But let's talk about also, you said you mentioned natives. And as we were, as I was watching you play this game, um, there were like when you got to the planet, there were already like an alien species living there. Like you play as a human species. Uh, I guess, number one, can you choose to be an alien species or do you have to be human? Yes, you can choose to be uh, any of the uh, selected alien species. All of them have their different traits as a company. Some are sustainable, some are destructive, some oh. are greedy, some are not. Okay, so like maybe like if you choose a different alien race, maybe they'll have different abilities or different properties when they play. Okay, so that makes sense. But when, when I saw you land on the planet, there were already some indigenous natives living there. And I was really wondering, like, if you're on this planet to expand, I mean, you're basically colonizing. I mean, that's a really a hot topic right now. It's in the news. We're hearing about, you know, colonization as a concept and how destructive it can be in real life on Earth. In this game, like, does colonization matter? Like, when you see these other aliens who were already there before you, how does that affect your game? Or how do you deal with these people? Or what, what kind of factor does it play? Yeah, it's a really unfortunate topic for the game right now. But you can choose to uh, be friends with them. If you give stuff to them, like give them like gifts, they'll give you stuff back. Like different things that they produce in their t in their little village. So it's possible just to like see natives and just let them be and leave them alone and maybe even cooperate with them, right? Yes, you can coexist with them. However, the evil people they do give you the choice to steamroll their town and move over it. So can you just like kill them all, or do you displace them, or what happens? I don't know. I haven't I haven't destroyed a native town because. Oh, thank you, son. Make me feel very good to say you haven't displaced any indigenous people. Thank you. Yes, that's terrible. Yes, let's not do that. Okay, so but there is the option to, I mean, I guess just get rid of them or kill them or maybe displace them somehow and then just take over. So we definitely don't want to do that. Uh, but that is unfortunately a very negative part of actual real colonization. I mean, we did that here in America. Many people have done that over you know, other territories in the history of the world. So that's definitely like a thing that happens. So I guess so far, what do you think of this game? I mean, it, to me, the graphics are kind of cool because as you're watching it, it's like you're watching like a globe that's spinning and the land is divided up into triangles. Usually land's divided up into like hexes or squares, but this is triangles. That's a little bit different. Uh, but you can spin around the whole globe and kind of like put different installations all over the place. Uh, I mean, what do you think about it so far? You play some of these sim games more than I do anyway. What's your opinion of it? I mean, it's really interesting. The thing they need to do is to get rid of the being able to steamroll the towns. Other than that, the game is really fun. Um, so yeah, it's it's a good game. What's your favorite part about this game? Um, well, expanding the towns is pretty satisfying once you get all of the big town like set up, mm -hmm. like all the supplies and stuff having a good flow of money coming in. Because in that game, you can trade with different kinds of space traders that can arrive at your spaceport. So like interstellar trade. People like aliens from other worlds will come and stop by your port and like, you know, sell you some stuff or whatever. Yeah, there's rare materials trader, tech trader, and just regular trader. Okay. The rare trader uh, takes Ideon, which is the super rare crystal in the game that gives you the most money on the market. Gold is also pretty high, along with Nitro Pumpkins, which sounds weird, but is actually a fuel in the game, which you can use to create spaceships, so then you don't have to wait for one of those traders to come and stop by. Okay, so Nitro Pumpkins. I mean, that sounds pretty good. I mean, I get the idea of, like, once you get a good city going, it's pretty satisfying to, like, build that up and kind of have it humming. What do you think is your least favorite part of the game? 
Mm, like I said, being able to steamroll the natives. Uh, the pollution is rather unfortunate when that happens. And apparently, like, space pirates and I think a robot that, like, takes all the su rare supplies on the planet and then leaves nothing. That's a That's the worst. So... I guess, do you feel like you are learning anything from this? Because I, this has a, a stronger emphasis on the ecological impact of city building, more so than other games that I've seen. Again, I'm not a, I'm not an expert in this genre. It's not my it's not my jam, uh, but it seems to put a pretty heavy emphasis. Do you feel like you're learning about systems or learning about sustainability or, or, or what are you what are you learning from this game? Anything? Yeah, I think it's teaching you more about like sustainability and working together with people who aren't as who aren't as advanced as you technologically yeah technologically because uh they don't have space faring so you should help them by giving them stuff and then they'll help you and um oh my god i just had writer's block you had writer's block <laughs> <laughs> you, had, you had podcasters block That's podcasters fine. block no worries no worries we'll take it out in post actually we won't take it out in post uh, well, I mean, that sounds like you're learning something at least, and it, and just from watching it for the brief moment that I did, I mean, it definitely seems to have a slightly different spin. Would you recommend this to people who like sim games or maybe kids of your age who might like to learn about systems like this? Do you think it's it's worth playing and worth recommending? Yes, if you want to learn more about ecological, um, basically effect on planets, this is the game to do that. Okay, good. All right, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think that's it. Okay, great. No final thoughts. Excellent, son. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast and talking about Imagine Earth. It has been a pleasure. You too. All right. I'll see you upstairs. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.